This is Comics Talk, episode 12, the second Comics Talk for the month of April 2019. Uh, and Chris and I would first like to extend our thanks to all of our patrons. Absolutely. For all your support, and we're glad we could jam this one in at the, under the wire. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, if I get it up before midnight. If not, you'll see it on, on early on May 1st. I can't promise. We'll see. <laughs> uh, but uh, this time, we want to talk about something. This is probably one of our most... Uh, I don't know, less rehearsed chats, would you say, Chris, maybe? You know, we've talked Yeah, we've, yeah. We've, we've, we've got on... a lot less uh we've a lot less in writing about this one. This is gonna be a lot more off the cuff than even we've been doing on comics. On a, on a, in a lot of ways, uh because I think that our thoughts on it are still being formed and maybe percolating can, yeah maybe you know, uh you guys can, can help us with it out there but by uh, adding some of your thoughts. But it's uh, we're calling it the softening of villainry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is something that's we think that's happening in comic books over time, and uh, we're going to make our case for it right here. Absolutely, uh, you know, as you as most of you probably know, comic books used to be a starkly good versus evil affair. So there were good guys, there were bad guys, yeah. and the uh, villains were easy to spot because you know they were always doing something bad. They were robbing banks, trying to take over the world or the country, or trying to destroy the world or the country, or. <laughs> Just being evil for evil's sake. Yep. Just being jerks. Um, and villains rarely had origin stories, and they, they honestly, they didn't need them. They you didn't really just need them. You bad know? guys. It's like, here's a, a, a mad scientist. He wants to destroy the world. That's pretty much all you for, need to yeah, get going. that's it. Uh, one that does come to mind that did have a uh, origin early on was DC Comics Scarecrow, a.k.a. Dr. Jonathan Crane, who first appeared in World's Finest number 3, September 1941, cover date. This is in a story titled The Riddle of the Human Scarecrow and starring Batman. Uh, Of course, the whole thing is attributed to Bob Kane, but it's believed to have been written by Bill Finger with pencil finishes by Jerry Robinson. Although I have to say, personally, this looks early enough that I think Bob Kane did actually do some drawing on this one. You can kind of... It looks look kind of off, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm not sure. But I, we, we, it's believed that Jerry Robinson did touch it at least some, do something. Uh, so in this story, we get a two-panel origin for the Scarecrow. Uh, Jonathan Crane was the disturbed kid who liked to scare flocks of birds into flying away. And he had developed an addiction to books. And after becoming a professor of psychology at Gotham State University, he supports his habit by dressing as a Scarecrow, to complement his thin, reedy physique, looks like a scarecrow, and he terrorizes folks for money. And in doing this, he uses a gun. He's not like he becomes a scarecrow and there's no fear gas, none of that yet. Uh, you know, he's just dresses up as a scarecrow and threatens them. Uh, and like, and notice in this, it, first of all, it's two panels, right? We don't have a, an issue or six issues or more sure. going into this guy's origin, uh, but he's not motivated by revenge. Or a perverted sense of justice, just greed and narcissism, and that's all. Mm-hmm. That's all he had. That's all he needed. Uh, by the way, an aside. This is really just for uh, weirdos like me. World's finest number three was the first in the series to be titled World's Finest. The first two were World's Fair comics, printed in support of the New York World's Fair of 1939 and 40. Okay, go ahead. 
<laughs> now, after the Comics Code happened in 1955, villains and heroes had to tone down their attitudes. You know, characters that were once quite murderous and evil would become mischievous and strange. Uh, even heroes who acted uh, to it with a means-to-an-end attitude had to uh, soften as well. Oh, yes. Um, now, as the decade wore on, villains uh, took a backseat to situations, uh, escape rooms, uh, or tricky social engagements that required more problem-solving than power-punching. So yeah, he... this was an era that more Weisinger talked about. He liked to, uh, when he would think of situations for Superman to get into, how would he get out, out of them without using his powers? Yeah, painting into a corner and, and working out of it. Yeah. Just, yeah, just like... Basically teasing out eight pages is really what it comes to. <laughs> That's about the size of it. Um, then the Marvel Age began, began and uh, we would meet Doctor Doom. Now, Victor Von Doom first appeared in Fantastic Four number 5, July 1962 cover date by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. And uh, I think this was a lot of uh, a lot of writer during writers during the 80s' first comic ever bought because it's a very convenient one to yes, point to. Yes, of course. Uh, <laughs> now, here he was your typical mad scientist uh, in atypical body armor. Uh, he was also motivated by jealousy and revenge uh, per a story told by Reed Richards in a flashback panel. Yeah. Uh, but most notably, for the sake of this discussion, Von Doom was also the ruler of a fictional Eastern European country called Latveria. And his people, by and large, loved him. And he takes his duty very seriously. And this would just be like a like the, an early instance of the subtle shift mm-hmm. in what a villain is, because uh, Doctor Doom is still motivated by jealousy, but you can't look at him as pure evil. Right. You know, uh, he wouldn't put his people in Latveria in harm's way, and uh, yeah, so he would clearly never destroy the planet. Right. You know, uh, or you know, even make a deal with aliens to give the planet away. He's always in uh, in service of his people. Right, and you know, and even though he might hate other countries uh we've we've seen him over time where he will stand in defense of the planet for just that reason mm-hmm. because he's got Certainly. his his country and so it, it's really it is a subtle thing and especially early on he was still i would say much more hardcore evil or whatever you know doing absolutely more yeah. bad but you know in recent times I, I really couldn't tell you and it's it's such a subtle shift and i gotta say chris uh I really thought of any other villain I could really think of that had this characteristic through mm-hmm. Golden Age, you know, and Silver Age comic history. Not that uh, I'm a total expert, but, you know, we know a lot of characters, you know what I mean? Sure. I really couldn't think of one that's like this, you know, that where, like, they no. have this aspect. Of all the other evil guys are monsters or... You know, just purely evil. They're, you know, the Hitler, mm-hmm. basically, or an amalgam or of Hitler or something. So, yep. uh, yeah, I really would put this as the first time that, that, that there's sort of something uh, subtle happening here. He's also got that whole man in the iron mask thing going on, but that's a whole other story, really. Uh, that's if you liking yourself to that kind of person, I guess. Sure. Uh, <laughs> over time, uh, the backstories of villains have been revealed, and they always result in the character being more relatable. <laughs> uh, we have a couple uh, off the top here. Uncanny X-Men number 150, October 1981, cover date in I, Magneto by Chris Claremont and Dave Cockrum. Magneto is revealed to have survived the Nazi Holocaust and even realizes that its anti-homo sapiens crusade is like the ideology of Adolf Hitler. That, that's sort of when he changes 
yeah. at times becomes leader of the X-Men down the line, you know? Oh, yeah, he takes he takes over for Professor X. He uh, is the headmaster of the school. He's yep. in charge of the new mutants. Uh, he becomes a wildly sympathetic character. And, uh, uh, you know, it's it's funny because they, they wouldn't really pivot on this until uh, the Fatal Attractions crossover, which was in uh, 1993. Uh-huh. And uh, in this one, they, they turned him into a, uh, into a lunatic again. He was a raving madman. Um, uh, Ileana Rasputin, that's uh, Magic, Colossus's right. sister, she uh, died of the Legacy Virus. She was the first casualty of the Legacy Virus, and Magneto crashed her funeral. Wow. And uh, yeah, he, and he was a loon. Uh, he had uh, a Colossus, uh, Magic's brother, would join Magneto in that story. Uh, he would. Uh, that's where he sucks the adamantium out of Wolverine's uh, yes, skeleton. Famous, it's, famous horrible yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, just a real, real foaming mad character. Well, I mean, they definitely uh, pivoted again. I'll tell you because uh, you know. Oh yes. Recently, I heard he's like you know just chilling out at the uh, <laughs> X Mansion. He's. The oh, father yeah. of Quicksilver and uh, Scarlet Witch, I think maybe. I'm not Is sure. that back? Is that they I don't even. I, I can't promise. That. I have no <laughs> that, that, well, that was a movie thing, though. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> they wanted to. Uh, they wanted to establish Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch as not mutants, but inhumans. Inhumans. That's right. So they had to. They had to remove the familial link with that. I, th- I think they have pulled back off that since then, but. <laughs> they might have. Who would know? But uh, yeah, the uh, the Magneto character was. Uh, was one of the deeper ones, uh, and it was very much in the Doctor Doom vein, um, because eventually Magneto would get control of Genosha, uh, and so he would have a people to protect. Right. And so I, I remember there was a really cool um, during Christopher Christopher Priest Black Panther. There was like uh, they would get into political intrigue at times, and you would have you know uh, T'Challa as the ruler of Wakanda meet with Doctor Doom as the ruler of Latveria and Magneto. As the ruler of Genosha, wow. and they would they'd have a summit, and, and I mean it was really really well done. Um, but jumping over to DC here, we've got Jeff Johns who took over the Green Lanterns, and uh, we have uh, the Sinestro Corps War. This was an event that happened in 2006, not too far into Johns's run. No, and in that. Uh, Fall Sinestro's origin was tweaked so that he had been a Green Lantern concerned with imposing order on his home planet, Korrigar. Now, this was established in the 80s uh, during Emerald Dawn number two. Right. But at that point, it was still a it like it wasn't as humanized as John's made it in in. In the Emerald Dawn 2, it was more like he was a despotic leader. He was and a like fascist, were, and his planet yes. hated him. That was the difference, yes. you know. But whereas... they still flew banners with his face on it. It sure. was like everything was in its place. You know, the uh, the trains all ran on time. And, and as a matter of fact, in John's telling of it, there are, you know, pockets of resistance. But the point is, most of the planet is going with the flow. You know what I mean? They are, yeah. you know, under his thumb, and he's making it work. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's funny that this is one of the few things that made it from Emerald Dawn 2 yes. into the new continuity, <laughs> so uh, Dan DiDio must not have thought this was a sin. Oh, like Def John snuck it in under the under the carpet, that's how <laughs> he, 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 just, he mixed it in with the pudding, you couldn't, yes. you couldn't tell it was in there. No, you know, you know, and as we went on, even more recently, uh, even though it was a poorly handled story in my opinion, the uh, Sinestro Corps took over for the Green Lantern Corps. They had been shunted yes. to another dimension. Mm-hmm. And the the point of part of that story was, even though they were ruling with fear, it was working. And that's, it was effective. That's yeah. just something they would never have allowed no. years ago. Like, that would have to, you know, I think about, 
You know, not that not that this is the only guy, but Jim Shooter, he would not have allowed that. You know, you can't allow no. the bad guy's power to be to work. You're like it doesn't really <laughs> it negates the point of them. Uh and even the Scarecrow's origin was expanded in Batman Scarecrow Year One, number one and number two, that's July, August two thousand five cover dates by Bruce Jones and Sean Murphy. Now Jonathan Child, Jonathan Crane's childhood involves being the subject of his father's cruel experiments. Which made him inured to fear uh, Repeated use of fear gas later makes him immune to fear As shown in Blackest Night mm, That's It's it's always It's always the It's always the parents It's always... yeah. it, That is a, an all too common one uh, Yeah Is the bad childhood And I, I mean I, You know In a way Chris this is like what You know what they would call the reality Putting reality into comic books But Yeah I think the point that we might be trying to make here is that it makes them more difficult to read, and it and it definitely makes them more difficult for new readers. You, to oh, open absolutely! Up, open up a comic, and it's like, well, who are the good guys and who are the bad guys? You know, like who who am I rooting for in this comic? I don't really know anymore. You know, it's like it doesn't. It's true. It it really blurs it. You know, it's like it doesn't have to be childish. And when we were talking about this, we talked a little bit about Sherlock Holmes. Yes. And how his. Villain Moriarty, who eventually they they both die together. Like they have a very complex relationship, and Moriarty mm-hmm. is a genius, right? He's a yep. genius mathematician, but uh, he's evil. He we, there's never any point, <laughs> no bones about it. Th- there's no point where you're like, oh, I kind of see it from his side. No, he's evil. He wants to like destroy London or whatever, you know, murder the queen, whatever it is in the story. He wants to <laughs> trick trick the people out of their their uh, money, whatever the story is, mm-hmm. but. Uh, it's it's never a point where he's like helping his sick daughter or uh yeah you know making a deal with Amanda Waller or something like this <laughs> but you can like him for being evil you know <laughs> he's an, he's an evil guy and you can like that about him yeah it it's it's like we we also talked about this it's like in professional wrestling you have the uh you have the the baby faces and the heels and then right. during the 90s we got the introduction of like the cool heel where it would be a bad guy but they'd be doing all the cool stuff yeah you know, it's it, and it's you can like someone for being bad, but then you turn into an anti-hero. But we'll we'll get into anti-heroes towards the end here. It's just uh, it, it's funny the the Moriarty thing. I was thinking on that more since you mentioned it a few days ago, and it's like, it's like yeah, you know, if I watch soap operas and I like the bad guys, but I don't like them because they're not bad guys. I like them because they're bad guys. Right. <laughs> you know, they're There's, behaving in a way that you want that you. Uh... I can identify her easily, you know, it's bad and yeah, just yeah, just I I I think that they're I like the character. But, you know, I mean, I mean, the the, yeah. the reason that they exist obviously is for conflict. You know, if we didn't have the bad sure. guys, it would just be just good guys going like doing their errands, getting ice cream cones. You know? <laughs> uh, but yeah, usually they are for that reason. They will be kind of like the the characters that draw you, but. Sure. You know, in, in the end, at least in comics, maybe, maybe this is my naivete. You should root for the superheroes. Uh, you know what I mean? That's just Always, yeah. you know. I mean, <laughs> if you want to have your Watchmen, your Brat Pack, your little your your side dissections, that's fine. But within the mainstream comics, we should be championing <laughs> Superman, Spider Man, and the rest of them. But I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chris. No, and now we we mentioned Black as Night, and we mentioned Jeff Johns, and I just realized we. Left someone off our list here, and that's uh, that's Black Hand. Oh yes. Uh, oh wow. Now, Black yeah. Hand, <laughs> Black Hand was a 
I like a goofy Silver Age villain, you know. Um, he had no story uh, at all. That nothing. There. None really. Yeah. No, and it's like I, I, the thing I think about with him is when he tried to. Uh, he was robbing somewhere when uh, Guy Gardner and Ice were on a date to the porno theater. A <laughs> uh, guy took guy takes Ice to a porno theater for a date. Wow. And uh, like they him. run into Black Black Hand, and or is it Black Hand or is it Black? It is Black Hand, right? The uh, the Blackest Night guy. Yes. Yeah, and the, Black Mask uh, would have their skull face, right? That, and Black yeah. Glove is another guy. That's but... another guy, too. That's a yeah, totally different So Pat Black Hand, they, they run into him, and he's a total joke. He's a pushover. They they beat him easy. But he was kind of the, the pivot point for Blackest Night, and uh, Johns was, uh, as he did with The Flash, and we'll get into that in a bit, he gave an issue to explain how Black Hand became what he was, and... Uh, he was an abused child of a uh, mortician. A mortician, right? I was, and, say, that uh, was like a funeral yeah. director, and uh, he was abused, and that's and then why he now started, you know... uh, he he turned to necrophilia. They, there's a scene of him like killing a dog and like playing with the body. It got very very bizarre, but it kind of tempered the evilness and kind of oh, yeah. inflated it with mental illness. Hey, no spoilers for the JLMA hashtag, but by the end of Blackest Night, you sort of feel sorry for him. You yeah, realize how much a of a pawn he has been, you know yep. what I mean? Yeah, he's a victim, and that's uh, and that's just uh, one way of just taking the steam out of... Because, uh, like, you, you want to have someone to root against and root for, and in that kind of a situation, it's like, if Hal punches him in the face, you're almost like, oh, man. You like, oh, you're just bullying. It's more yeah, like this beating poor guy. Yeah. Well, you know, you actually, you're actually talking about a perfect event because that's an event where, in, in a sense, a horrible thing happens, the resurrection of all of these dead characters, these dead heroes and villains, besides being... Creepy as hell and, you know, not sanitary is also really traumatic for a lot of people. You know, there's a lot of issues oh, of, of people facing their, you know, dead lovers, dead whatever, their guilt, their blah, blah, blah. But then in the end, you don't get the, I mean, you, I guess you get that whole thing with Neuron or whatever. Like, there's a whole kind of crazy ending. But, like, <laughs> the guy, there's no guy you can say. This is, you know, let's put this guy down, put him away. You know, the, yeah, there's me, no anti monitor here. Yeah, that's it, it, that's exactly. You know what I mean? Like suddenly they they just like pull out another even worse thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's it's makes the story overly complicated where we, it should just be we got to get black hand or whatever it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. Find sure. out we what it is. To like get you know, this under control. Yeah. I've been watching Super Friends lately, and let me tell you, they don't they don't dicker around with the uh, <laughs> with what the object is. You know, it's let's split up into three teams, get the three things, and put get them the together. Three MacGuffins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, you know, talk, talking about that. Uh, uh, talking about things that are meant for kids here. Uh, I kind of got hooked on those Marvel superhero squad toys back in the day. Uh, probably like two thousand seven ish. Yeah. And. Uh, they were just putting them out by the bushel full, and I was grabbing them because I thought they were just so cool. Right, Put well, them on those a desk. are the smaller ones, right? They're like the tiny the little, really poorly, eight, yeah. Arti- yeah, really poorly articulated. They're just cool little cartoony statues. I remember. They were cool, yeah. They were awesome. Yeah, but they're, but they're meant for very little yes, kids. They are. So. And I remember finding a uh, box set of the Avengers, and it was like it was Captain America, Iron Man, Hulk, uh, and it was a Gray Hulk, and, uh, and I thought that was pretty cool. And I'm thinking, I'm turning it around, and I'm, there's a story on the back. It's like the story so far, and I'm thinking, oh, you know, maybe the Hulk went berserk, and the the, the Avengers need to uh, get him under control. They actually wrote about civil friggin' war. <laughs> oh, 
why? On the back of it, it's like, why? It's like, who, who are you rooting for? Captain America or Iron Man? Captain America doesn't want the superhero registration. It's like, this is for four-year-olds. Oh, my God. Why would you want to do that? That's <laughs> it's so just bad. so insane. <laughs> yeah, just make it like, you know, these guys have to team up against Hulk or even just, you know, the Avengers have to fight crime. Here's wherever, the Avengers. Wherever yeah. it appears, bad guys are everywhere. Put them together and they fight your bad guy. So oh, silly. man, yep. that's, that, that's like the... Uh, <laughs> That's like that first uh, Star Wars, you know? The Galactic Federation had to make a treaty yes. with Naboo. It's like, oh, my God. What, is, what am I watching? Fast forward. <laughs> what happened to the Star Wars? Give me the robots. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we were just talking about Jeff Johns, and uh, I mentioned that uh, he wrote an issue for Black Hand. Uh, when he had a very long run on the Flash, and interspersed in his run, he wrote issues for each of the Rogues, right? <laughs> and uh, or a few of the Rogues, anyway. Uh, pr- primarily Captain Cold, and because uh, he really took a liking to Captain Cold, really made him a likable character, which absolutely very goes much against so. what we're yeah yeah. Uh, it was revealed here that he was the victim of abuse at the hands of his father. So, uh, you know, Freud's there again for us. Uh, Another one, Mirror Master, he was orphaned and sexually abused by an older boy at the orphanage. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Pied Piper, he's had dalliances on both sides. He's been good, he's been bad. Uh, uh, it was revealed that his parents were murdered and he had a poor childhood. So it's, uh, I, I don't know if it's a lot of projection or if it's just lazy writing. Maybe Jeff Johns maybe had, both. had a really crappy childhood. That's actually. what I'm wondering. I, I never really thought about that. But maybe he's, all, he's maybe he's crying out for help now that I'm look at it. Broken man. Maybe I don't we know. need to maybe we need to reach out to Jeff Johns. Like you're right, buddy. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm almost about Golden Glider had some kind of uh, salacious yeah. past that has changed. And you know, the Rogues, even before Jeff Johns did him, as always one of my favorite things, just because of the goofy factor. Yeah, and I actually like. What Jeff Johns did to him, but what he did is effectively turned him into anti-heroes, and and frankly, in more recent times, straight up heroes. Like they, straight up heroes. They just yeah. they protect Central City, uh, and they but they and they don't even commit crime. So I, I don't. There's no problems with them really. Yeah, they're fine. Yeah, they're duly deputized. They might as well be. Boomerang is on the Suicide Squad. That's the only thing. But even that, yeah, I can't think of anything he's done uh, no. illegal in a long time. So it's like these guys are effectively good guys now. Sure. Uh, and on the show, which I know Chris uh, isn't uh, clued into uh, no. the CW shows, that Captain Cold is 100%. He's become a total good guy. Oh, wow. He helps them out, and uh, he's like a guest star on all of the different shows. But he'll he'll show up with some sage advice or whatever. How about that? So, you know, this is just more of that. And, and, and you know, what we're kind of circling the drain about, and, and what you mentioned, is that yeah, a lot of these books are rated T for teen, but, you know, you're talking about attracting new readers. We, you know we're talking about mm-hmm. attracting younger readers for yep. the most part. And I don't see any reason why uh, an adult and a young person can't enjoy a story where the good guys are good and the evil guys are evil. You know what I mean? I understand yeah. there's a certain level of sophistication, uh, you know, that might be more warranted now, but I that doesn't seem more sophisticated to me. It just seems... As you said, lazy, uh, especially when mm. you keep going back to the same well. The you same know? well, yeah. Um, the big two of the early 90s, and this is definitely something. Well, before we go on to that, oh, though, you mentioned like the kids and adults both being able to enjoy the same thing. And uh, it reminds me, it's it's funny how that there's parallels in, in comics and pro wrestling. And uh, I, I apologize for going off on this again, but... Uh, <laughs> 
in there uh, are the definitely late... parallels, though. There's definitely are. <laughs> certainly, certainly. In, in 1997, they, uh, the WWF uh, at the time, they they ran this. Uh, they changed. They they evolved. Um, they had their Attitude Era, and uh, it started with a promo by Vince McMahon, the owner of the company, who said that uh, they were no longer going to insult the audience's intelligence <laughs> because, in their mind, the the days of the good guy. Versus the bad guy was passe. Hmm. And uh, it seems like comics have gone that direction as well. That's exactly and, that, uh, That's stating outright what we're saying. Yeah. Basically. And, you know? Yeah. And, it's, and that's and the, it was the introduction. The buzzword of the time was shades of gray, which doesn't mean a, a, a porn book. That no, no, no. The, no matter uh, how but, many numbers of them, we don't. <laughs> right. There's, a, there's no black and white anymore. The black, you know, this isn't the age of Mr. A. Everything is gray. You know, we have heroes acting villainous, villains acting heroic. It's just a mishmash. And uh, getting back to what you were saying, how could someone come in off the street and know what they're reading? I mean, the thing is, it's it's fiction. That that's that's the key. Thing You're allowed that, to be fake. In yeah, fiction. you can yes. you can do things <laughs> in the story that wouldn't happen in real life. I, you see, one of the one of the greatest comments I see in social media is when a new character. Costume design comes out Whether I like it or not Invariably mm-hmm. someone's like That wouldn't work And it's like Well it'll work Because they'll <laughs> They'll draw it So that it works Like don't worry yes. about it You know what I mean Like They're not gonna have A wardrobe malfunction It's gonna be alright yeah. uh, But you know This is This is bringing more realism And it's true In real life You know Things Aren't always so Everybody's got baggage In real life Yeah But yeah, in but... fiction <laughs> We don't need it. We yeah. don't need to have that stuff, you know. And as we've pointed out, I think in other episodes, you know, you got stuff like the Phantom Zone and whatever else to keep, you know, heroes from killing characters. It's to the point of being totally unrealistic. What's mm-hmm. what's so much more unrealistic about having an evil guy being just evil, just you know, I jerk. want yeah. I want to destroy this building because I'm crazy, mm-hmm. you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, Two of the two big ones from DC in the early '90s, and I and these both bothered the heck out of me personally. Oh uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll say the both of them up front because uh, you know mm-hmm. I kind of lump them together in my mind. I think a lot of me people too. do. <laughs> uh, Doomsday and Bane. You mm-hmm. know, both of them were part of big events for the two big characters at DC. One almost right after the other, right? Nightfall pretty much followed a year apart. In yeah. my mind, like they're right, they're right next to each other. Mm-hmm. Both of them involved brand new characters never seen before. Doomsday yep. killed Superman. Uh, Bane broke Batman's back, but that that was like it was like who are these guys? And I remember being especially about Bane. Uh, I think because I just am more personally invested in Batman, maybe, but just being mm-hmm. annoyed that it was. This interloper was brought in yes, just, just newbie, for this, yeah. and in my mind, we were never going to see him again. And there, yep. there was the problem because <laughs> Doomsday. It turns out we find out he was born on Krypton, killed and cloned over and over and over again to become the ultimate killing machine, absorbing the other mm-hmm. versions of himself. Right? Yep. So and then locked in a crypt. And <laughs> oh, then, yeah, then, with one hand behind his back and all this, yep. you know, or, or restrained. So that he just became a berserker. So now you're supposed to feel badly for him. And God, I mean, in recent times, he's talking like articulately. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like 
I want to send this guy to uh, college and see if he can't get a degree or something. But they even teamed him with Superman during Our Worlds at War. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, because you know there's that there's that trope in comics where when the when the new guy on the block shows up, like Doomsday, mm. he's got to take out the other new the big guy. Right. So we had Doomsday beat the crap out of Darkseid. They fought Doomsday Wing. Oh yes, I remember this. Yes, that was in the uh, the Hunter Prey. Yeah, uh, the, the prestige formats, and then with Our Worlds at War, we met Impyrex or Impyrex. Impyrex, yeah. And uh, so Impyrex had to wipe the floor with Doomsday at that point. So uh, we did have Superman and Doomsday going together to fight something. And uh, I mean, and Doom- Doomsday is like a creature to me. You know what I mean? He's not even, he's yeah. a monster. It's like he's a beast. Yeah. What is this? I don't. You know, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to be racist, but to me, <laughs> he's a crafted to look like an, uh, a monstrous, evil thing. Uh, Bane, who was originally just some kind of like guy with a weird axe to grind against Batman, and made him run a gauntlet. Essentially, wanted to. See if Batman was all, you know, everything people were talking about. He wanted to break him psychologically yeah. before he broke him physically. But, but you know, but basically he would, he just heard, heard he was the uh, big man on campus and wanted to mm. test him. You know, we find out, though, that uh, Bane was forced to serve his father's life sentence and spend much of his entire life in a prison that was actually at the bottom of a pit. Yep. So it couldn't, how could it be any sadder? And he, you know. Yeah, not pleasant. Trained himself. I'll tell you, I, nowadays, I don't even think Venom is part of his thing anymore at all. I think the Venom really? has been weaned, weaned out because that was that was oh. that was the main part of his character was that he was a, a Venom addict. Yep. And when he a clicked, Venom addict. when he clicked that Venom, there was no stopping him. But of course, get you know the object was to get rid of the Venom. But I'm thinking about it. I don't think that's even come up in recent Batman. Oh. Oh, yeah, I haven't read recent Batman, so I couldn't tell you. I don't think it has. Uh, not very recent. He has actually showed up in the last, like, I don't know, 10 issues, and I am behind on that level. But when he showed up early, I'm almost positive he was, wow. just, he was just hanging out without the Venom, although he wasn't. <laughs> uh, I can't. I, I gotta. I gotta. I'd have to go back, though. I don't really remember. Mm. But that was the hugest part of his personality, and it's been stripped out. And now, I mean. Again, he's practically a good guy. I mean, he's he's. He was on the Secret Six. Yeah, he was on Secret yeah. Six, having a good time. I'm I'm pretty sure he was on Suicide Squad, but Secret Six did probably oh. the most to normalize him, yeah. uh, make him into make a jokes. Make jokes. Yeah. He was having you know Cracking he had like jokes. Yeah. He had like an affinity for Scandal Savage, and like you know he had mm-hmm. like a protectorate father daughter relationship with her. So. Uh, I think he's like buddies up to Harley Quinn sometimes too. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's this is like the guy that broke Batman's back, and uh, <laughs> now he's like a guy you well, you could have a cup of coffee with. So that's that's mm-hmm. what we're talking about here. It's true. It's true. And uh, we mentioned antiheroes earlier, which uh, was a very big thing in the uh, early '90s, especially over at uh, at Marvel. Right. Because uh, I guess they saw the marketability in some of these characters. We'll, and, we'll say uh, right off the bat, Punisher would be probably the most popular anti-hero, yeah, right? Am I wrong? Or for sure, I yeah. think so. I think so. But I don't think uh, it's it's weird to classify him as a villain, though. Ah, like, uh, you're like, right. He, he was, was never, a bad guy. He was no, like, you're right. But he 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 came out as an anti-hero, and that was like yeah the template for what you know. And plus, he was a 
a BA, you know what I mean? Had a, <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> he was sort of a template for what I think they thought people wanted. And I guess maybe people did want to see, but there people was did, a big yeah. change. Yeah, because there was that whole darkening where you had like uh, the the Ghost Rider, Ghost Rider and the Midnight Suns, and everything was dark, you know? Um, but for villains turned anti-hero, I think it begins with a Venom. Uh, yeah. Venom was a... I mean, Venom's action figure that that talked would say, "I want to eat your brain." <laughs> you know, he was he was a bad dude. Yeah, he was a bad guy. This it's is a guy who, too, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, especially when uh, McFarlane came in and started drawing him to look like he we know him to look, mm-hmm. and he wanted to kill. He wanted to. He he didn't leave Spider-Man alone until he found a skeleton he thought belonged to Spider-Man, and then you jump into Maximum Carnage. Where uh, I guess you know, <laughs> so if he hates you, I like you, or whatever. Uh, you had Spider-Man and Venom shaking hands. You had yeah. Venom put his hand out and say, "Put her there, partner." I mean, you know, onto my symbiote, uh, you know, <laughs> suit that you know it could kill you in an instant. I mean, he's been on Shield now, Venom. Oh God, Agent really? Venom. I, I'm not kidding around. Uh, oh, oh, but that was Flash Thompson, though. It was, right? it was, but it was, yeah. it was still the suit. You know what I mean? Like, uh, mm. and and now he's some doing so. I don't know who's in the suit now, but uh, he's uh, he's doing some good guy stuff again. But you're right. I mean, and that's a character again, like Doomsday. Looks like a monster. You know what I mean? Like, he's I, a beast, yeah. it's it's not like I don't think a a, a hideous monster can be a uh, hero. But you're right. Like he started out. I'm going to eat your brain. I'm going to like. Subsume your whole your body, and uh, yep. how do you shake hands with a guy like that down the line? Mm-hmm. It's like, are you gonna? Are, would you, if if Ted Bundy came to work in your office, <laughs> would you ask him out for lunch? You know what I mean? Like, if you keep a wide berth. <laughs> we have can we have lunch in your locked basement. Yeah, please? really. You know, oh, you know, in your van? Oh, no problem. <laughs> Oh man, but uh, another one um, and I mean this list can go on and on here as I'm thinking now they're popping in my head here left and right here um, uh, before we get into our next one on our list here, Thanos Oh yeah That's a big time villain, I, I'm, I'm sure uh, the mainstream knows who he is now um, but uh, during the Infinity War he was basically one of the good guys and a lot of the times he is treated as though he's one of the good guys. He's he's a victim. Now, a when lot did of the Thanos's backstory show up? Pardon? When did Thanos's backstory? Uh, his, doesn't he have a history that's not dissimilar to Dark Side? Something about being a farmer. I think yeah, because he, was... he does uh, he because he's at the end of the Infinity War. He goes he, back uh, to that life. Yeah. He goes back to being a farmer. Yeah, but they they uh, he wrote his definitive uh, origin not. Too terribly long ago, I want to say like 2012, 2013. Okay. When he started getting like uh, miniseries and series. Yeah, yeah. I think that was maybe Jason Aaron. Uh, maybe. I could be completely I, wrong. I do remember that. when it was like the Infinity, well, ramping up to Infinity War 2 or whatever the heck it was, there was so whatever much, so was, much yeah. Thanos and Gem stuff going on. Yeah. But yeah, there's another one. Um, uh, another one here Sabretooth. Sabretooth is, uh, he is a guy who uh, would. He would every on Wolverine's birthday. He would visit him, and almost kill him. Get him to the <laughs> point where he is almost dead, uh-huh. and then leave. And then the next birthday, he would do the same thing. Nice. And uh, he killed Wolverine's uh, wife. I mean, he gutted her, and and then he joined the X Men. There you go. <laughs> they 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 had him. Uh, they had him join the X Men. Professor X thought he could save him, uh-huh. and uh, it didn't work out so good until it. 
until it all just turned around and worked out. Uh, <laughs> you had like uh, you'd have scenes of like uh, Psylocke going to deliver his meal, and then him like ki- almost killing her, wow. and then like Jubilee. They sell, they send friggin' Jubilee to go deliver his food, and he'd be like, okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> what in the world is this? And then the phalanx came, and then he just turned into a full-fledged good guy. And he's, he's teetered back and forth um, as they needed him to, I suppose. Uh, I remember they uh, – there was a – it was Wolverine issue 125. I remember they had – at the comic store, they had a stack of – it looked like a – it looked like fight tickets, like you were going to a boxing match, and it would be Wolverine versus Sabretooth. It was like the big, oh, mm-hmm. Sabretooth's a bad guy again, and it was written by Chris Claremont, which meant uh, they, they talked a lot. Right. But uh, yeah. they, they turned him back into a bad guy. Then he joined Weapon X. Then he joined a different X-Men team. He was on X-Factor for a while, which worked for the government. Wow. I think he was one of the uh, he was one of the Avengers, uh, the, the Howard Chaykin Avengers 59 or whatever they were. Everyone was part of the Avengers at some point now. I mean, come sure. on. That's not really a big deal. <laughs> which which uh, brings us to our next guy. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, now, Deadpool, uh, he, he's, he's a mercenary. He, he was a guy who killed people for money and yeah. uh, was a bad guy, uh, believe it or not. And, uh, he, I mean, he's been a hero longer than he's been a, he was ever a villain at but this point. But he's still—I I, I, I couldn't tell you if to this minute, but even until recent issues— it's still killing people constantly, and like you, killing killing people indiscriminately, while funny in some scenarios, you know, Looney Tunes style. Uh, Harley Quinn kind of does a little bit of that, but they, True. she engages in her own continuity. So it it mm. is it is like a, a Looney Tunes cartoon, whereas Deadpool interacts with the rest of Marvel continuity, and it doesn't make sense that you know when the chips are down. Tony Stark is going to hang out with Deadpool, who just murdered like a family. You know what I mean? Like that, that, that's what I'm saying. Like just fired a rocket into yep. a school bus. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. Of course, that you know the uh, the goofifying of him. That was Joe Kelly, right? Pretty much. Or yeah, yeah. Um, Joe Kelly. Uh, Joe Kelly's the one who he uh, actually he did exactly what we're talking about here. He humanized him. Right. Uh, he gave him the backstory. I mean, he, the cancer I think was all already there, but. Uh, it gave him a backstory where he was uh, he was running into this guy named T Ray, and at some point him and T Ray had like switched memories. Yeah. So uh, Deadpool was uh, digging into his mind and figured out that like he used to be like this peaceful hippie, but it, that was really T Ray. And but it really humanized him that he was exploring who he thought he was. And right. then when you found out it wasn't that, you, you really felt for him because he was like, he discovered it, he was at peace, and then, whoop, nope, that's not the way it that was. That wasn't so even you, it, you know what I mean? Yeah, so it's... Uh, yeah. I, really I made now, the, the official thing is there was a woman, and uh, now there's not a woman. That, I believe that's the official <laughs> backstory. Uh, but yeah, I mean, now in this case, though, what they did is they took a incredibly derivative, forgettable Rob Liefeld character, like... If they hadn't changed his character into this, you know, murderous Bugs Bunny, it's very likely we no one would be talking about him today. Oh. Uh, so, uh, you know, this this is a case where you may have created a character, even though he annoys the hell out of me, because you you can't he's really. Everywhere. He's everywhere. It, first of all, he's everywhere. Like that's that's you know the number one cosplay costumer out there. You know that and Harley <laughs> Quinn, but. Uh, it's also it's also like I, you can't reconcile him with the rest of the MCU. It doesn't make sense. Uh, I don't mind having books like that, but you know you got to have your aside books if you're going to do that kind of thing. I, I would think 
for for a little while I did like Deadpool, but as I found, a little Deadpool goes a long way. <laughs> goes way, way, way long way. Because I, I I love the the uh, the Kelly run, and I I, I really enjoyed the uh, Christopher Priest run that followed it. Yeah. Um, Jimmy Palmiotti came on after that, and it was kind of okay. Better not. Um, right. It was a. Uh, it's when they started. They, it's weird. They brought like legacy numbering into it, which it didn't need. It just weird, like yeah. it was like here's a new number one, but it's still the same number it was. Uh, but they did this riff on the death of Superman. So like you had, uh, you had Deadpool die, and then you had four other Deadpool show. It was very very on the nose death of Superman riff. It was okay. I mean, that uh, wasn't gonna be funny actually. You know what I mean? Like I, I like you know, I, you know I like a parody, Chris. <laughs> you know I like a little parody. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't mean it would be funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, like, they'll do stuff like that, but then when, you know, the big event happens, they have a crossover with Deadpool, and it's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. You can't... He's standing shoulder to shoulder with Captain America. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't understand. Like, how can that... How can this goofball of a character that's like, you know, ambush bug saving a crisis, which... Could be what happens in the next crisis. I can't. You never promise. know. Uh, never, the, the heroes in crisis number nine ain't out yet. I know it's true. God, <laughs> oh God, please! So let's not get into that now. Uh, the Deathstroke is another. Speaking of Deadpool, one. yeah. Speaking of speaking of Deadpool, <laughs> even though Rob Liefeld swears he, that was the he, he swears, even though he admits that he's in a room of Spider Man and I forget who else he had, but. He swears Deathstroke is not one of the characters that he's delivered. So Wade Wade Wilson is nothing like Slade. Nothing Wilson. like Slade. Well, nothing. I mean, I don't understand how, he, <laughs> like, why he says that because he admits to robbing the other shit. Yeah, uh, I don't understand why he says that. But uh, we talked about this on the last Titans, I think, or we have talked about this before that he's another interesting character because he wasn't yeah. humanized. We didn't get a full backstory, but we got to see him as a person early yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's taking on his son's contract. There's a yep. sense of honor with him, there, and there's not a sense of evil where he doesn't hate the Titans because he is evil and hates good. It's a job. It's uh, just a job. He takes yeah. no pleasure in it. And in fact, later on, we talked. We talked about this with when we talked about our favorite comic scenes because you yes. talked about that issue where the, with the he, diner. Yeah, they go the diner. You know, and that that humanized the heck out of him. But. This is a character that I feel, and, and you know, I would say this about Dark Side too, because Kirby gave him somewhat of a backstory, although nothing close to the expansive crap that we <laughs> see today. But yep. explain that he was a farmer that was sort of corrupted by this and that. Uh, you know, it, it, that's a little crafted into him, and I think I think characters like this can exist, but by and large. Your bad guys should be bad guys. You know what I mean? Yeah, Deathstroke uh, should be the exception to the rule. Right. Uh, yeah. and, he would, and, and Teen Titans would have been a more complex book than most anyway, I would say. For sure, yeah. You know, yeah. I wouldn't expect the same kind of stories from that that I would expect from Superman or, or... No, it's a ton more soapy and mm-hmm. uh, uh, more written for, I, I would say, like the uh, the teenage market rather than the, the child market. Teens to early 20s, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, I, like I've said, when it came out, I was like 8 and 10 or whatever, and... It was beyond my ken at the time. I was <laughs> too not, much words. I was like, I'd open it up, like, nope, goodbye. Let me go. I'll be grabbing a Spider Man now. <laughs> why is Robin in bed with an alien? What is this all about? <laughs> I was like, eh, kind of like that part, but nah, nah, nah <laughs> never mind. Uh, so anyway, but that so he's a little more he's a little more uh, kind of crafted into him. I think he's a little more complex, but 
in more recent times, again, is he even a bad guy? I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you. He yeah, seems to work with everybody. Seems on who's writing who's writing it. It really, I mean, yeah. uh, there was just a 12 uh, issue, or actually I think it went longer, by Christopher Priest that was great. But mm-hmm. you'll never think this guy's a uh, villain ever again after you read it. I'll tell you what, he's uh, mm-hmm. just, you, you'll, you'll love him as a character. Lex Luthor is also another one of my favorite examples that mm-hmm. you added this one, Chris. But I was thinking about this because he was the prototypical just mad crazy scientist. mad scientists yep. in the Golden Age. Uh, it was in the Silver Age they had the story where Superboy helped him with an experiment and made him lose his hair. Yep. <laughs> but even beyond that, it was that he was an orphan, right, mm-hmm. and and picked up by parents in Smallville, and they never, no one ever understood him. The kids picked on him because he was a nerd. He was also a jerk, but... Yeah. Uh, and uh, over time, I, I'd say he... He may have been, in a, in a broad sense the first one to begin that humanization process, right? I can see that. Yeah, so, yeah, I can see that. The boldness thing had to be in the 50s. That was that was a Superboy story, maybe the very early 60s. Yeah, uh, it's early. It's Silver Age, for sure. Although, until very recently, I, I strictly saw him as a bad guy every time, uh, mm-hmm. right, right through his presidency, right through crisis, everything, and then after Forever Evil. Yeah. He seemed to get have a turnaround where he was he was on the Justice League wearing a Superman suit for a time. Yeah, because they before Flashpoint, um, he took over Action Comics. Uh, it was uh, right. it, from I think it was like nine issue eight seventy six to like eight ninety nine. It changed from Action Comics to Lex Luthor's Action Comics, hmm. and uh, this was uh, right after uh, Blackest Night. So he had the uh, he had the orange greed armor, right, you know, the right. Larflee's armor. Yes, and uh, he was looking for uh, he was looking for a Black Lantern ring. So it was this whole this whole story was crafted of him trying to track down this Black Lantern ring, and uh, he would run in like he ran in with the Secret Six. He ran into Waller, of course. He'd run into uh, Death from Sandman. He wow. ran into her. Uh, it was a uh, very well done. It was uh, Paul Cornell who wrote it. Uh, it's a really good run, um, but it really I mean you were rooting for him. You know, this is you go from. It was like a very weird shift because he had like a, he almost had like a Lois Lane sex doll. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was like a Lois Lane simulacrum, a robot. And uh, it would like serve him and, and like they would have dinner together, but she still had an edge. So like weird. she would still call him out on his crap, just like the real Lois. Interesting. Wow. So he like made his own, the manga fans will know, to sunder or to cinder the mean girl. Uh. uh and but then you had him going off on this adventure to find the uh, the Black Lantern ring, and you were rooting him on uh, because it was it was very well written and it it humanized him uh, well, you know, more than it was. I, I was this, I guess this was after Crisis when he started the whole. He became business Lex first of all. That was Man of Steel, yeah. And uh, he that's when I think he really started the whole. Hey, you know, Superman's an alien. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's belittling the. Abilities of humans. He's holding back human progress. And what happens if Superman decides to stop, you know, protecting? Go rogue. Yeah. Uh, goes rogue on us. And that that was really his thing. And it's like when he says that, it's like, yeah, that really would be a big concern. If a, if oh, yeah. a being like Superman existed, that would be a massive concern every day. Is like, what is this guy gonna flip his eye beams on a, on a someone? You know, like. 
And that uh, was a like a wildly uh, deep story for the time and subtle because he uh, he managed to get his hands on uh, kryptonite. Uh, yes. And uh, he had it turned into a ring. Gave and the cancer, ring yeah. gave him cancer, yeah. and he lost his hand. But then he got a but, robot hand. Then he got a robot hand. Arguably was was a, a superior Upgrade. hand. And then he got <laughs> then he positive. got uh, you know re, reformed into his own son. Right. Anyway, that's the whole <laughs> the Australian version. And then the he Australian came back. redhead, and and that was interesting for a while because uh, for a little while you the reader didn't know if he was good or bad. Then yeah. the reader knew he was bad, but no one else was sure. And no one would, uh, yeah. The the public loved him, you know. The public uh, until the fall of Metropolis, right? But uh, I mean, but he, we he, talked about he even had Superman guessing for a long time. Yeah, you know oh yeah, because I mean? he didn't but, know if it was the same dude. Yeah, but it's important that the. But what's different? I don't think they would do this today. Is that the reader knew? Yeah, we were in on it for a bunch of issues. Like we knew his his thought bubbles were were you know. Mm-hmm. Whatever, they're giving it a whole thing away. So, uh, oh yeah, because when Doomsday killed Superman, he was like, "Hey, right. Superman's dead." Oh damn it, I didn't get yes, to kill him. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, that's exactly the scene like that. Yeah, there were little things like that all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. Plus, he had reformed Matrix into Supergirl, and he was kind of like yep. had his own Superman in that way. Uh, mm. Yeah. And so we talked about him becoming president, and the lead up to that was him bailing Gotham out during No Man's Land. That's right. That so I mean, he was heroic the there. He won over the the entire nation. It's so true. it's uh, weird. But then once he was president, he wasn't really a good guy at all, was he? But you're right. Well, he, the, the our worlds at war thing kind of kind of did that. <laughs> that marred his time in office. But he, uh, you're right though. I mean, it shows him being a garrulous guy. And again, like the touchstone mm-hmm. of, you know, can we trust this, you know, superpowered mm-hmm. alien? Uh, I mean, yeah. in, in a sense, and again, I know this this goes off of the uh, Christian reservation, but those Zack Snyder Superman films that uh, I don't like personally, but they explore that. Is that, that, the, ex- that the latest ones? But yeah, all the, all the most recent ones. Okay. Uh, Man of Steel and the Batman v Superman. With and Cavill? 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 Yes, Cavill? Henry Cavill, okay. that one. And that's Justice League. Again, I'm not recommending the movies, but that's what, <laughs> that's what he's exploring is a world that is... Not totally trustful of Superman, which it's probably is fear. more realistic to what it would be like. But again, I don't want to think about the reality of a flying man no. that can throw <laughs> trucks. That that it actually terrifies me. I want to read about it and enjoy it. You know, like unless unless I am that man, I don't want exactly. that man to be around. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to hear about an actual person that can do that. That that is a horrifying prospect. And mm-hmm. uh, just to wrap up, and this happened in the 90s to the Riddler. Uh, mm-hmm. And what a pointless, like, really, when you really get down to this, uh, the Riddler was this, you know, obviously always this one-note pony, yeah. really this Batman. Uh, did Riddler, Was Riddler created for the show, do you know? No, right? He I, I don't he, think so. I think he was in the comics, but the show is what made him prominent. I think he, yeah, I think he was like a like a third or fourth tier comic villain. But then when he was on the show, Suddenly I think he, that kind of burst him into uh, into the uh, forefront. Yeah, there were a few like that, you know, that I know, like uh, like even the Joker hadn't really been seen a lot until the show came out. But uh, yeah, the the Riddler originally, I don't, I don't think the Riddler had any backstory. He was just a goofy guy that loved riddles. Yeah. Uh, and then what was it? His father tortured him with puzzles, right? Some nonsense like this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was in the '90s somewhere. I can't remember. Did he get his own series? No. He got like he no. Got... But he he got he was a uh, he got a very prominent role in Detective Comics before Flashpoint because uh, he turned good 
and he had his own detective agent. Right, I do remember this. Yes. Oh man, that and was, it's like that why? was kind of weird. Yeah, it was. <laughs> how could that be? Although the Riddler is not, you know, on the murderous level of a Joker, or although he has at times been. Uh, oh yeah, I, I think he tried making Loeb deals and... with uh, Baramos or whatever. <laughs> the, the 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 Loeb and Sale run, he was a big killer, and then during War Games, I think, but. Uh, they've bounced him back and forth, uh, I guess, as they want him yeah. to be, you know. But you know, definitely another one. Like, why to be like he, the character is fine as is. Like, <laughs> I don't no, know. You know, no need for to to uh, to do. A, if there's a character that doesn't need humanizing, <laughs> just whatever. Just like it's like if you feel like you have a bag of riddles, then you write a story with the Riddler. And I got it. Actually, that's the most disappointing thing. Is most recent times he showed up, he doesn't even really tell riddles anymore. <laughs> I'm telling you, he doesn't. You know what I mean? Or, or the riddles would be so bad. You're like, come on, dude. Like, get what the riddles done first. Didn't they just do like a like a 45 issue story between him and the Joker or something? No, well, Where that's they... right, oh, dude. That was so bad. <laughs> Holy God. <laughs> The War of Jokes and Riddles. That's the one. That's uh, the that one. Was, it's in I, my stack. I, when I, you I said no just, I, I think you actually mean two years ago. But okay, uh, <laughs> or like two, uh, one and a half years ago. But yeah, that was. I mean, that was that was a perfect example of when you get to that story, and you might have to read it to do your penance. Is <laughs> uh, there are no riddles? The riddles are like uh, there's <laughs> nothing. There's no riddles at all. Nor jokes come to think of it. But that you know that is what it is. Uh, <laughs> it's like, why use the character? To me, you know, if 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 someone said, I need you to write a Riddler story, I would say, all right. The first thing I would do would be, like, come up with ten good riddles, you know, that's like, it. and, build, a, and mm-hmm. build around that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that's what I would do. But it, so, anyway, just, just to kind of wrap this up, uh, you know, our point to this whole thing about the, hu- the humanization, the softening of villainy and the erasing... Of good and evil in these fictional stories is part of the inaccessibility, yeah, and and part of the problem with getting new readers and frankly, keeping old readers. Uh, mm. It's not, you know, I I think that it's it's stretching these this part of the medium. We don't we don't want to talk about poison ivy, do we? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Poison Ivy has become like an eco, ecological, even Ra's al Ghul. Ra's al right. Ghul, who used to be like supreme evil, now is like an, an ecologist, you know what I mean? And like, mm-hmm. he's just trying to save the earth. And same thing with Poison Ivy. And now Poison Ivy was like the first thing brought back to life in Heroes in Crisis. Like, what is happening? Ugh. Was that for, was that for people on the internet? Yes, I'm going to say it was. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just a bad it's just a bad look uh, overall. I think that 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 kind of stuff though can exist in graphic novels. Don't sure, forget. or it's or it's got to be the exception to the rule because and now it's just if anybody's purely evil, it's it, this is totally totally off subject. But I, I've been watch I've been binge watching Little House on the Prairie. Okay, uh-huh. all right. And there's there they, there's a time where they spend a few episodes in a city. And an episode is about one episode is about a fat guy, uh-huh. you know. It's all about this giant fat man because everyone sees him on the street and they laugh at him and they point at him because he's a giant fat man. He's the exception to the rule. Where right. today, everybody's fat. That's right. <laughs> so it's not anything. Any. It's not something you even like think of anymore. Where here we have like evil characters and then all of a sudden everybody's just normal. You know, everybody yeah. is just. 
in this same pot, and there's no no nothing special, nothing stands out, and everything kind of just blends together. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, that that's exactly right. I mean, I really, I yeah, I got to think of if we open these comics today and we're lost. Yeah, uh, and we know these characters, and we know which ones are at least supposed to be good and evil. Mm-hmm. What what hope do these anyone else have? And if they're coming from this other media. Where it usually is better defined because they don't have the time to have these expansive origin stories. Sure. Although they did, you know, do that to Magneto in the X Men movies. Uh, oh, did they? they? <laughs> yeah, sort of, you know. But uh, they, they. Uh, this is just another instance of them coming to the comics and seeing nothing familiar. You know what I mean? Like nothing sure. to latch on to. You know, yep. Th- this whole belief in the synergy. This is one of the reasons, and I, I stress. I, I think this is only one of the things. Maybe not even the biggest thing, but the, the problems with uh, getting new people to read superhero comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they can they can go to if they want their deep nuanced stories. Well, go to Image Boom, what have you. They have much sure. more for you, and they you don't have to uh, wonder about it. So. Is that enough for the soapbox tonight, you think, Chris? I don't know. Yeah, I, th- else I to, think we, uh, can probably, uh, we can probably pack it away for this evening. Yeah. Probably pack it in here. Uh, that's just what we think, folks. Uh, of course, we always want to know what you think. Mm-hmm. Write to us the email, weirdcomicshistory at gmail, or hit us up on Twitter uh, or through Patreon. Facebook is probably the worst place. No, I don't think anyone ever has, but that probably is the worst place to ever try to I'm not sure I us. follow us. Yeah, I don't. I I look at that very infrequently. Uh, yeah. So yeah, email or <laughs> through the through, through Patreon is good. We we will see that. Yes. Uh, but I think that's all we got for this episode of this month, Chris. So I'm gonna say, keep us talking. Be wrong, the traveling board bill villain. You don't give a fly, but the queen not filling them. Watch what you're dealing them. Ace King Death Card. Strong arm, the wrong man. Pardon the left guard. Get money and earn it. That everything you touch, touch up. Got much to learn, kid. Write it up, burns. Light it up like the Dutch when the hash melt. Only time they see him when they meet him with the cash belt. I carumba, now that's my number. One dry summer, as far as I remember. Burnt out, we're getting every edgy penny. Then he hit him straight to the head like Reggie Denny. Call him back when you need some more yak, horse yak. Doing 80 down the van with on horseback. Your man's sick, but he wrecked tracks, puto. Get back to row, exact the mundo. Victor the director flip a script like Rob Reiner. The way a lot of dudes rhyme.